Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to Buckethead's Land Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm joined by my co-host Justin Golba for episode 49 of Land Grant Holy Lands College Hoops Podcast. Uh, Justin, unlike our guest today, Neither of us are Guardians fans, but it is a pretty big bummer that uh, they couldn't quite get it done against the Yankees on Tuesday night. They, they took them to five games, but uh, the team with the 28th highest payroll in baseball just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, I think I, I hopped on the Guardians bandwagon. First of all, I followed the Guardians more than 90% of their own fans, so I'm comfortable hopping on the bandwagon. I was rocking the baby with them. Um, I saw maybe the best tweet I've ever seen in terms of just lack of self-awareness was a prominent Yankees fan tweeting that this Yankees team just has all the heart in the world. Like, no, they have all the money in the world, and that's what happened because Judge and Stanton hit home runs, and that's your two biggest. You're paying them both, should be paying them both $350 million. That's baseball. Uh, It's not about heart. It's about how how far you get to the ball. And Judge and Stanton hit the ball farther than anybody, and that, that was their game five, so... That was that was that killed me. We won't we won't get too much into the X's and O's of baseball because that's not why anybody is here to listen. I don't think, but I do think it's interesting because I think you and I might actually disagree on this. I thought it was a huge mistake that the Guardians have Shane Bieber on their team and could hypothetically have pitched in an elimination game and he did not throw one pitch on Tuesday night against the Yankees. I think that's. A, just a huge blunder because in my opinion you got to treat game five like the first inning the first inning of game five is basically the ninth inning in a tie game in my opinion you throw Bieber out there for like if you get three shutout innings out of Bieber you're like okay we're now we're to the fourth inning and we're still in the game at least um, so I was I was really 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 surprised that he didn't start or like I mean, he probably should have just started the game and given them the first two or three. I was shocked. Yeah, I don't have an incredibly strong opinion on it. I Just looking back on it, I don't really care just because they only scored one run. So it's kind of like at that point, you know, you would have had to literally get shutout innings from Bieber. I know in 2021 or at the end of last season, he missed like two and a half months with a shoulder injury. So I know you are trying to kind of, barring they resign him, have him for the future and stuff. And you don't want to, you know, God forbid he blows his arm out and he has Tommy John or something similar to that. So I don't really, I, it's, it's one of those things where it's hindsight. I think they just wanted to get two, maybe three innings out of Savale, even if he only gives up two or three runs and then you go to your bullpen. Um, honestly, even the Stanton home run, I don't think, I don't think killed them. You know, he only got one out, which wasn't great. You went to your bullpen early, but you're down three Oh in the first inning, you can still come climb back from that. But, only scoring one run, and that was on a sack fly. The, their bats just never got going. I think that was, at the end of the day, you know, you would have literally had to get shut out innings from Bieber, so, which you could have, but it, you only score one run. It just, you need, it to, look at, you need like, to be looking at the offense at that point, in my opinion. It seemed like Francona was definitely going for the, you know, let's see if we can get a couple out of Savali first, and then hopefully we can save Bieber and have him for game one of the CS, but it's like... What I, I, I will man, say... That, now he's going to have a real nice break. I, I don't know. I do think that if this game was maybe 2-2, two to 2-1 two, two to one in the 6th or 7th, I think you see Bieber. That's where I think they might have been holding him for, maybe. I don't know. 
but um, because he said he was he said he was available at the at like the last case scenario, but I don't right. know. I don't right. And also, they know more than we do. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm assuming if Tito thought there was, I mean, Tito Francona, everybody can agree that follows baseball as a Hall of Fame coach. If he thought he could have got what he wanted out of Bieber, Bieber is. I, I saw the stat. He has never pitched on three day rest in his career. So I'm assuming if he if he knew if he thought he could get what he wanted out of him, he would have pitched him. So I just kind of I'm just kind of letting that one be like I trust the coach in that in that aspect. It just sucks that you didn't have like anybody but Savale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you see oh, Garrett, yeah, Garrett, Garrett Cole was in the bullpen uh, a day and a half after throwing 110 pitches. Like I'm not sure if Garrett Cole's ever pitched on one day's rest, but he was ready to rock and roll in the ninth if they needed him as the closer. Which yeah. is, I don't know. I just think in an elimination game, you you have to throw your biggest bullets um, to eat innings to keep yourself in it. I was just real, I was very surprised that he didn't come in the game. But anyway, anyway, that's just that that's just very interesting. I think that win or go home games are just they're just treated so differently than any other game that you can have that kind of conversation. Um, Baseball is fascinating in that regard, you know, because you have to yeah. make those kinds of weird those kinds of weird decisions. It's why I think really? the Dodgers stink because I think Dave Roberts is not a good managerial coach. And that's why they can't do it. He's a Alan good guy. He's through the roof. He's oh, a great, he's he's a good, good guy. Dude. Great dude, but come to the eighth inning, I think he makes bad decisions. <laughs> so we <clears throat> speaking of bad decisions, so we, we can slide back over to basketball. <laughs> and this may have been a bad decision by Jim Beheim to say this because this is definitely going to be something that's going to appear on freezing cold takes um, in March if any of the Big Ten teams – win the national title. Um, but on Friday, he was talking at a press conference, um, obviously Jim Beheim, head coach of Syracuse. He said about the Big Ten, at the end of the day, you play for the tournament. You can say what you want about the Big Ten, but they sucked in the tournament. To me, that's what they did. All their wins were in their league. If you can't play in the NCAA tournament, then you're not good. Side note, his team didn't make the tournament. Your thoughts? That's a good. It's a good side note. Um, so, the way I kind of view this, you're a Marvel fan, right? I am. Do you remember Martin Scorsese's comments like two years ago about Marvel movies? How they're kind of more theme parks. I don't. Okay, right, so Mar- Martin Scorsese basically said like it's not cinema; it's more of like an adventure ride in a theme park. And the he ruffled some feathers. He ruffled the feathers because at the end he admitted to never seeing them. He's like, I don't watch them. So that's where I'm like, okay, that's where your opinion to me kind of gets a little bit invalid if you've never actually seen these movies. He's not wrong in the sense of there are a lot of theme parks. They're adventure rides. You know, they're big moment, big action themes, you know, CGI, stuff like that. This is kind of how I feel about Jim Bayon's comments because he's not wrong. The Big Ten has objectively been disappointing in the NCAA tournament. However, first of all, why are you making these comments when, again, you've missed the tournament? And the ACC has like you've been str- like Syracuse has struggled in the ACC over the past two three years, right? I mean, they made the Sweet Sixteen in twenty twenty, I want to say, and then they made the Final Four in twenty fifteen. I think that's the only time they've really done much. Um, so he's not wrong, but at the same time, it's like, why? First of all, what is making? Why are you making these comments? Like, what what good is this doing? I don't even I don't remember the question he was asked. So I'm curious as to like what even got him down this ro- this road. Because it just feels like you're kind of throwing strays for no reason. And secondly, when it comes to – I don't think success is only based on the NCAA tournament. I don't think that's really the case at all. I think you right. build the NCAA tournament. But I think like if you told – I mean, it, like for uh, what's a good example is probably two years ago with Illinois when they won the uh, conference championship but they lost early in the tournament. They still won the conference championship. You know, that's still an accomplishment. They struggled in the tournament and they lost, yes, and that's a bummer. And that would be looked at as a as a bad finish. But th- that's not all you're – it's what you're building to, but it's not all you're building to. So there are takeaways from the regular season. There are things you can accomplish in the regular season. So that's where like part of his statement's not wrong. But when he goes um, – the part where he says like at the end of the day you play for the tournament, you can say what you want about Big Ten. They sucked in the tournament. To me, that's what the, that's what they did. All their wins are in the league. If you can't play in the state tournament, then you're not good. That's where it's like you're making a, a, a statement as if it's a fact when it's not a fact. 
struggling in the NCAA tournament does not mean you're not good, right? That just means you you lost a game. It's it's a it's a single elimination tournament. Anything can happen. There's injuries to play a role. There's depth that plays a role. There's matchups to play like all these things play a role. It's not a best of seven. You know, it's, this is a single elimination tournament. Anything can happen in, in 40 minutes. So that's where, like, when he says, like, you're not good, I, I, that doesn't, that's just that, that you're making us, you're trying to make an opinion out to be fact. And that's where I'm like, I don't, I don't really know about that one. I think you're on the right track just because, <clears throat> excuse me, his comment was kind of two different parts. So at first he said they sucked in the tournament. Um, they did suck in the tournament. Yeah, that's where I, I would think, agree. I don't think the Big Ten had any Elite Eight teams last year. I think Michigan was the only Sweet 16 team last year, and I'm pretty sure yeah. the Big Ten's only had three Sweet 16 teams the last two seasons. Um, Something and like even, that. And even going back like 20 years, I looked it up, and they've had the Big Ten since 2000 has had 17 Final Four appearances total, so less than one Final Four team per year. And seven of those were by the same team, which we won't say right now because we're going to be doing something in a second. But the Big Ten has been bad in the NCAA tournament for the better part of 20 years. But then he went on and said, if you can't win in the tournament, then you're not good. And that's just not correct. Um, That's where I have – that's where I – that's like – that was where I made the comparison of like the Marvel comments was like the first part what you're saying is accurate. Now the second part you're trying to make it out to be as like fact when it's an opinion. Kind of, and that's where you kind of get into that gray area. Like that Virginia team a couple years ago that was a one seed that won the yeah. ACC. That good was team. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't remember what their record was. It was something. I think they won around thirty games before they even got to the tournament. They became the first one seed to ever lose to a sixteen seed. Is that a bad team? They couldn't win a tournament, so they're not good. No, that was an amazing. That was an amazing team. What's well, in? I mean, for our listeners, Ohio State in, in two years ago, objectively, that was the best team they've had in the past decade. Probably since 2012. Yeah, they lost to Oral Roberts in the first round. Sucks. Gonna be a black mark on the season, no doubt. But it doesn't take away from the fact it was a very, very good team. That's so I just I think that's gonna be if a if a Big Ten if if either a Big Ten team wins a national championship or a Big Ten team knocks Syracuse out of the tournament this spring, <laughs> that's gonna awesome. be like plastered on like um, freezing cold takes because of you know it feels inevitable too now like because just that's how the world works so what we're gonna do because we're talking about how bad the big 10 is um not just in general how bad the big 10 is how bad the big 10 has been in the tournament over the last 20 years we're gonna play a little game where i'm gonna quiz justin and see if he can kind of match some of these programs tournament resumes Okay. up to the school i'm gonna give him the blind resume over the past 20 years and we're gonna and justin's gonna get two tries per guess to guess which program it is that i'm talking about um so some of these programs have very clearly carried the big 10 in the tournament um and some of these programs have made plenty of appearances in the tournament and literally cannot get to the second weekend um even worse than all if, even worse than Ohio State has been over the past decade. There are actually a few programs who are having been even worse um, than Ohio State at just trying to advance to the second weekend. So, Justin, yeah, whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll start ripping some of these off. Yeah, the only disclaimer I want to give is I am only 26, so we are digging into the the vault of my knowledge for this. But I'm ready. Let's get it. let's get it. Yeah, and again, it's only back to the year 2000 for most people four. listening. What's that? Said so when I was four, so <laughs> correct. But there, there's like well, a very indeed. like there's a very noteworthy like thing that happened in the 2000 season. That's why we like I I did the objective cutoff point there. Um, all right, so Y2K, so, of course. Exactly, you're gonna get two tries, um, and if you can't get in the second try, I'm just gonna mark it as wrong. All right, first team, two NCAA tournament appearances. In, they, they, since they 2000. Didn't. Yes. Oh Jesus! <laughs> they did not. They did not advance to the Sweet Sixteen in either of those. So two tournament appearances. That's, that's it. it. Okay. Uh, Nebraska. You actually, you know this one. It is not Nebraska. You get one more try. I know this one. You should know this. Yes. Oh, Justin Rutgers. Yes. Oh, nice. It's the last. It's the last two years. I yep, thought it was one of those two. Yeah. All right. Next one. 
21 tournament appearances, 10 Sweet 16s, three Final Fours, and one championship game appearance. That's that's runner-up. Right. Michigan. Right. No, not Michigan. Oh, shit. Uh, I was pretty confident in that one. Uh, (laughs) Run back how many Sweet 16s? 10? 10 Sweet 16s Um, since 2000. And we're talking about Big Ten schools? We're talking about practice, yeah. Um, Wisconsin. Got it. Ooh, I couldn't remember if they beat Duke or lost to Duke until it's 15. Yep, they did not win the title, but they were there. Um, all right, next one. Thank Nine. God for this two-team rule, by the way. <laughs> I, figured that would, I figured that would be a little <laughs> it's more It's very scary. helpful. It's very helpful. Nine tournament appearances since 2000. Oh, wow. They did not make the Sweet 16 in any of those nine appearances. Good God, that's horrible. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. that's rough. Whoever's fan base this is, I feel you. I'm going to take a shot at this. Iowa. It is Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, that's Fran McCaffrey's yeah. thing. Yeah. Iowa's made nine tournaments since 2000. They have not made it the second weekend at all. Um, I'm kind of curious. The last time that they made it to – the Sweet 16 was 1999, so it's been 23 years. Oh, so close. Next one. 15 tournament appearances, seven Sweet 16s, no Final Fours. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> uh, can't be Ohio State. Um, seven Sweet 16s and no Final Fours. Right. I'm trying to like, I can't even think of like Purdue. You got it, Purdue. Yeah, as I was like, I'm just trying to go through the team. The hardest part is going through all the teams in your head. Next one. Can't believe they never made a Final Four. That's tough. Two, two tournament appearances, one <laughs> Sweet Sixteen. Nebraska. No. I said that too quick. I gotta think. <laughs> two tournament appearances, one Sweet Sixteen. Yep, one Sweet Sixteen. I'm gonna get this one wrong. Damn it, Minnesota. Nope, Penn State. <sighs> Oh, I wanted to say Penn State, but I didn't believe myself. Oh, uh, let me see what year Penn State made the Sweet 16. Penn State made the Sweet 16 in 2001. Oh, five-year-old Justin wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah, me neither. Um, next one. 13 tournament appearances. Four Sweet 16s. One Final Four. One championship game appearance. I want to say the Ohio State Buckeyes. No. Oh, crap. Have they made two Final Oh, they made two. Silly goose. Um, one Final Four, one championship. How many Sweet 16s? Four. Four Sweet 16s. Four. That's pretty good. And one Final Four, one championship appearance. One Final Four, one championship <sighs> appearance. It's they not. not win the, this, they did not win the championship that year, though. Yeah, so it's not the school I'm thinking. I uh, just take a wild guess and say, uh, uh, uh Michigan. No, Illinois. Illinois. I forgot about Illinois. The flying Illini, right? I know. I completely forgot about Illinois. The fly. Did you say flying? Or was that the old team? I think the fighting Illini. No, no, no. no. The, the flying Illini was like the nickname they gave the like really, really good Illinois team. Oh. I believe that 2005 team. So, yeah, the, the, the fighting the, Illini, but there's, they have a nickname, the flying Illini, one specific team. But no, that one is Illinois. So you've got one, two, three, four, three and two wrong so far. Wait, so they <clears> lost <throat> to Carolina in 2005? I thought they won that title. They must have lost. Let me double check. Nope, they did not win it. Oh, they I was, lost. I remember to, that Carolina team, that Raymond Felton and uh, Sheldon May got not Sheldon. Is that May. who they lost to? Was it was it North Carolina? Yeah, it was like Raymond Felton, uh, May. I forget his first name. I was going to say Sheldon, but that's not it. But yeah, he was a big, he was a big boy. Raymond Felton was a dog. That was like one. Brown and Darren Williams, hell of a backcourt. All right, six six NCAA tournament appearances. They did not go to the Sweet 16 from any of those six. I got two guesses. Uh, Minnesota. Bingo. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Back on track. All right, 22 tournament appearances in 22 tries. What the hell? 
Okay, can I just twelve say it? sweet sixteens? We gotta give we gotta give them the roses. All right. Twelve <laughs> sweet sixteens, seven final fours, two championship game appearances, and a national title. That would be the Izone. Yes. Yeah, that he's never Michigan missed it. State. All right, one tournament appearance. Oh Jesus, <laughs> Nebraska. Yes, that stinks. Might as well just knock the other one out. One tournament appearance. Another one. Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the reason that Chris Collins will never be fired. <laughs> I wish I had, that's like tenure for a teacher. Because people, people never forget 2017. I should get the next four too. So I'm feeling pretty good about yep, this. There are four left. Um, one of the teams I'm completely forgetting who it even is, but the other twelve tournament appearances, four Sweet Sixteens. One Final Four, one championship game appearance. Wait, I'm literally forgetting an entire team, and I think it's who it is. Okay. Uh, let me just – wait, who have I not – I'm like in my head I'm trying to – let me just go through the teams See, in my if head. If you were smart, you would have wrote out like a list. And I am. That's what I'm going through my list, but I, I'm literally forgetting an entire team. Who have, can we go through who I have left? I have Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, and who? <laughs> Indiana. Oh, okay. It's Indiana then. It is Indiana. Yeah, okay. Because I know yeah. the other three. I just couldn't remember who the other team was. So you messed up on Penn State and Illinois, but you got the rest. Yeah. All right. This well, one. I, I wavered in the middle, but other than that, and I'll get these. Yeah, you'll, get, you'll probably get these. 11 tournament appearances, seven Sweet 16s. Two Final Fours, two championship game appearances. That's Michigan. That is Michigan. Yeah. All right. 16 tournament appearances. That's awesome. Five Sweet Sixteens, two Final Fours, one championship game appearance. Ohio State. That is the Buckeyes. And the last one, well, process of elimination, you'll get it, but we can read out what they've done. But I, I, I even know they're two, they have two Final Fours, and it was in 2001 and 2002. I'm a good Maryland boy. <laughs> 13 tournaments. I need, to, I need to prove it, that I know it. Four Sweet Sixteens, two Final Fours, and one national title in 2002. Oh, Gary Williams, baby. We'll always live in Maryland lore for that. So you nailed 12 out of 14, actually. I think it did very good there. Yeah, you actually did a really good job. Um it's funny, Penn State I thought would be tricky because I did not know that Penn State went to the Sweet 16 in the past like 30 years. Yeah, that tricked me up for sure. I didn't know that. Um, I also existed, to be honest. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that Iowa has been that bad in the tournament. Yeah, Fran McCaffrey is a – let's just say Ohio State fans would not be happy with him. <laughs> so if you're an Ohio State fan and you're frustrated <laughs> – Understandable, understandably so. They have not be been in the Sweet 16 in, I think, 10 years now. It could be much, much worse, actually. And they, and they have had some Sweet 16 teams. I mean, that's that's nuts. I mean, how many of these – so in the past 20 years, how many of these even had Final Fours? One, two, three, four, five, six, six seven, seven, eight. Seven. Uh, nine of them, actually. Um, Nine's actually pretty impressive. Nine I, of them. I can see that. But Michigan State's had seven of the Big Ten's 17 Final Four appearances since the year 2000. Um, so if you take Michigan State out of the equation, the Big Ten has really not been good in the tournament. Um, I also was really impressed, and I didn't realize how consistently good Wisconsin's been. Wisconsin only missed the tournament in 2008 since, since Y2K. They've been in the tournament every year other than that. Bo Ryan, baby. That's really that's very impressive. I mean, All back right. in the two thousand late two thousands, I always remember they had some. When Ohio State was at their peak, they were always at pretty much at their peak too. So, so before we get to our guest, um, there's one more thing we want to talk about just for a second, um, which is kind of funny. On man, what day was it? I'm trying to see what day. Basically, okay, Mike Woodson, Indiana's head coach, had a press conference. Oh, it was media day. It was last week at media days. Um, he was asked about comparisons between Indiana freshman Jalen Hood Shafino um, to Ayo DeSumo, former Illinois guard, and 
Woodson literally said, who is that? That's nuts. He truly didn't know. So I'm going to try to pull up that, pull that up so you can hear. They, they basically just said, you know, hey, what do you think about this comp? I don't even know who that is. Give me the name again. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he said, who? I don't even know who that is. It like it's hard to tell if he's like serious or if he's just you know making poking fun of Illinois. I hope he's poking fun. I mean, there's no way he doesn't know who that is, right? I, I don't know. I I genuinely think he doesn't know because his last year in the NBA was also Desumu's last year in college, and then Woodson came. I guess to yeah, they didn't overlap, so maybe they maybe did not overlap at all. But you would still think that he's heard of him. <laughs> I mean, dude, you were working for an NBA team and he was like a potential first round pick. Like how did the name never get floated in any kind of conversation at any point? A team that, mind you, very much could have used him. Like it's nuts. And it's yeah. funny because then Illinois fans, of course, on Twitter, because they love to um act like they're persecuted all the time, or immediately like <laughs> took offense to this, like thinking that, you know, he's like taking a shot at Desumu. Like, I, I don't think that he knows who he is, but Illinois fans, they love to act like everybody's out to get them. So they, of course, took it and ran with it. Of course. Yeah, I, that's – um, yeah, I hope he's kidding. But if <laughs> he's not, uh, it's a good comparison. Uh, he should look up Ayo Desumu. He does play a lot like Jalen Hushifino, so or Jalen Hushifino does play a lot like Ayo. So, uh, but, yeah, I don't <laughs> – that's, he, that's said, nuts. he said who? He said it so quick, too. Like, he didn't even let the guy finish his sentence. He's, who? <laughs> the who? <laughs> Give me the name again. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay, so we have a guest again this week. Our guest this week, other than us, of course, uh, is the go-to man for Ohio State men's basketball coverage. He is a huge Cleveland Guardians fan, an Oasis connoisseur, and the Ohio State men's basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. He also does the Buckeye Extra basketball podcast every week. Highly recommend that. So we talked to Mr. Adam Jardy this week. Um, so without further ado, here is the Bucketheads and Buckeye Extra basketball pod collaboration that you've all been waiting for. I'm sure. All right, we are here with Adam Jardy, the men's basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch, as well as the man behind the Buckeye Extra Basketball Podcast. So, Adam, thank you for taking the time today. Yeah, guys. Uh, I shouldn't say guys, just you today, Connor, but thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, side note, Justin, um, for those listening, Justin had something come up, so he's sitting out for this part, but he'll join me um, at the back end. So, Adam, we had you on before the season started last year, um, so you probably already answered this question, but I don't know if everybody listened last year and this year. Um, can you tell us briefly how you ended up on the Ohio State men's basketball beat? What other teams did you cover? What were the other stops you made to get to where you are now? Sure. So I graduated from Ohio State in 2005 and got a job uh, working at the Danville Register and B in Danville, Virginia, where I was covering everything from literally high school swim meets to ACC football. Uh, I got to do a little bit of ACC basketball, but wasn't there super long because I got a job to come back and start covering Ohio State after a couple of months. And I covered Ohio State football, basketball, recruiting, the whole gamut. And then um, uh was was let go, um, to put it politely, and was hired by the dispatch uh, within a couple of months to cover the crew. And I was the crew beat writer for uh, five seasons. And in that time, um, Bob Baptist, our men's basketball beat writer, uh, who's a legend and one of the best to ever do it, he retired. And when he retired, um, they shifted me over. And that was uh, 2015. Uh, yeah, because I'm going into – I covered Thad Mata's final two seasons and then all six seasons now of the Chris Holtman era. So this is this is year eight for me uh, on the Ohio State men's basketball beat at the dispatch. And so I listen to your podcast as often as I can, and I've heard you say several times that you 
So you think you have the best job in the state of Ohio. You, you say it all the time. Yeah. You obviously love, I mean, you, you love Columbus, but you love college basketball. But what do you specifically love about the sport of college basketball that makes you say that you have the best job in the state of Ohio? Whoa, where to begin? Um, <laughs> I, I feel like you get so much passion and joy out of the sport of college basketball. I think that it's still played at it. I get the argument all the time. Like, why don't you just love the NBA? And, and I enjoy the NBA, but I feel like they're different, they're almost different styles of basketball. I feel like there's more, there's more, um, there's more unknown in college basketball. I think there's more personality in college basketball. I think you can go to, you know, Mackey arena on a Tuesday night and it's going to be amazing. And you can go to, um, uh, OU's convocation center on a Saturday and it's going to be amazing. There's, there's just, I, I don't want to say purity cause that makes me sound really like I pie in the sky naive. Um, but there, there's something, it takes me back. I don't know, maybe to being, being a kid, um, of just loving the sport and just loving like at this level, their championships and team success still really deeply matter. And that's not to say that they don't at the NBA, because obviously, obviously they do. Everyone's trying to win a championship, but I just feel like there's a different level of youthful passion maybe behind this sport than there are in other sports. Um, and on top of that, I just love the fact that I get to tell these stories. I mean, I feel like um, I, I love the game of basketball. It's the only sport I was ever really all that good at. Um, <laughs> and that's even stretching it a little bit. Um, but it's just Ohio State basketball is a big time beat. And I always wanted to be on a big time beat when I decided I want to be a journalist and to get to write about the sport that I'm probably most passionate about or at least most knowledgeable about at a place that values the coverage and we're the only outlet that goes to every, I'm at every game and that allows me to take readers places. They don't get to go. It allows me to write stories that otherwise I wouldn't get to write. And it's just very fulfilling. Honestly, it's, it's a, I, I do truly genuinely love getting to do what I do and, and where I do it. So I do feel very lucky. I feel like the differences and there are going to be really, I'm sure there are counter examples, but in the NBA, it's like, um, you know, whoever's playing on the team that loses in the NBA, in the NBA finals, it's, you know, they're distraught, they're upset, but at the end of the day, they walk home and they're still making several million dollars and they'll have another shot last, you know, in the next season versus like the locker room after the, I'm, you were, you weren't in the locker room, but the Ohio state Villanova kind of after that with, you know, Kyle Young and those, I mean, those guys are, those guys were legitimately crying and you were in the press yeah. conference and they're just trying to just barely hold it together because it means that much to them, which I don't think you really see that kind of emotion in the NBA. And I think that's kind of what you're describing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yes. I've been in, I've been in those locker rooms um, pre COVID uh, God willing, we'll be back in those locker rooms this year, but yeah, there's, there's something to be said for, for what those feelings are and those emotions. And I don't know that, I don't know that you always get that. Um, when, once you get to the professional level, because it just becomes, it's just a very different world. You're right. So the goal here is for me to kind of start big picture and slowly zoom into Ohio State. So my next question is going to be about um, the Big Ten Conference in comparison to the other major conferences. And you may not have a good solid answer on this, and that's totally okay. We were, me and Justin were kicking this around, and we also really can't answer it. The Big Ten has had 17 Final Four appearances over the last 22 years, which includes seven from MSU. Um, only three Sweet 16 teams over the last two seasons. Their last national title was in 2000, if you don't count Maryland. Um, if you had to put a finger on it, why do you think the Big Ten in the tournament has kind of lagged behind the other conferences? Is it is it recruiting? Like we just we can't put a finger on it. I think if you look at the at the drought that has lasted as long as it's lasted, I think some of that just comes down to luck. Um, I think that there is, if you go down like the, the recruiting rankings year by year, you know, you'll see big 10 teams in the top five, in the top 10, but right. like it's consistently, you know, Duke and Kentucky and, you know, Carolina or Kansas, like, like those schools 
particularly, I, I think there's some stats like Duke or Kentucky has had the number one recruiting class for like the last 9,000 years. I, I don't remember the exact number, but like those schools are in general consistently bringing in the type of talent that Big Ten schools in general the elite ones are bringing in maybe every two or three years. So I think that creates a, that that creates a little bit of separation. It still doesn't completely excuse it. That's why I think some of it does ultimately come down to luck because there have certainly been Big Ten teams that are talented enough. I mean, my God, the 2007 Ohio State team with Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan Cook, that that whole group that you know makes it to the national championship game and then loses to a Florida team that oh by the way just happened to like win the title the year before and bring everybody back, which never Doesn't happened. Happen it's, like a, yeah. it's a one-off historical like return for that Florida team. And the best Ohio state team in 50 years runs into that team. Like those things, th- those things happen. I do think the, I think the big 10 will break that, that, that at some point, I think recently, and I don't, I don't have data behind this. This is just like my eyeballs on the game and, and trying to put it in the context of, of the entire country. But I do wonder if the Big Ten's over-reliance on bigs is what is is helping to hold it back when you get to the tournament. If that is making Big Ten teams too easy to defend and making them unable to maybe adapt um, to, to the different styles and different ways that teams want to play. Because in order to be good in the Big Ten, you, you've got to have size. You've got to have – I mean, you can just look at the league this year and go from – Hunter Dickinson to Trace Jackson Davis to Zach Eady to Cliff Omaruri to, you know, pick the next big in the Big Ten. Um, you need those guys to compete in the league. Do you need those guys to win a national championship? I 20 years ago you did, 30 years ago you did. The way the sport is going now, I don't know how I don't know if that I don't think that's the way you build a national championship team. And so either the Big Ten maybe collectively decides, like, all right, we're we're moving on from the bigs, and once this class moves out, then we're all we're all going to small ball lineups. I, that's obviously never going to happen. But I do think there's I think there's something to that that um, you the the Big Ten for it to to break that that drought. I think they someone needs to figure out the mix of like a bunch of six 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 seven six eight six nine guys that can that can put it all together and be versatile and defend against a big but also like play their game. I I think that might be the answer. And it's funny because when I wrote up the article this, uh, I guess we last week technically about John Mobley Jr. And we put it on Facebook. Of course, all the comments were like enough guards. We need, we need a five-star center. We need a five-star big man. And then, so then, then the counter you're over here is saying, I think that the reason the big 10 is struggles is because they're too reliant on big men. So that's just kind of funny to me that the dichotomy there. Oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 you need size. And I mean, there, there's no getting around that. And I do think like you look at Ohio state right now and I mean, they believe they're going to have, you know, said key for another year, Felix Akpara for a couple of years. I mean, Austin parks that's come, who's coming in next year is a legitimate like big 10 big kind of like what we would consider like a classic big um, and like Indiana and Michigan state, like really, really recruited him hard. So like, that's a big, Ohio State recruiting win to be competitive in the Big Ten. You don't want to have a guy like that going against you for four years. But you're right. Um, the the fact that you you look at like some of these recruiting classes, um, you're not going to stack a, a seven footer on top of another seven footer on top of another seven footer. Um, the fact that Ohio State was able to do that in the late 2000s with Odin and Kufis and BJ Mullins, like. That was a that was pretty rare. I mean, that was Ohio, and obviously then Solinger. You know, Ohio State, the state of Ohio produced those guys. Ohio's not producing those guys now, um, and so that's also like another shift that I think kind of impacts all of this. So then, zooming in a bit, a bit closer on just the Big Ten Conference. Um, I know you personally picked Michigan, I believe, to win this year's Big Ten title. The other two teams that are the most popular picks, so the only other teams that are ranked, are Indiana, Illinois. Outside of those three, um, I know that you listen to Titus and Tate as well, and they do this a lot. If you close your eyes and you have to picture one of the other 11 teams cutting down the nets, so you cannot say Michigan, Indiana, or Illinois, which of the other 11 at this point would you be least surprised if they won the Big Ten? All right, so taking those ones out of the picture, um, you know, I had – 
one of the one of the uh, voters in our poll, in our media poll that I do every year, voted Iowa number one, and he had a really good case for it. He said, they "Won the Big Ten tournament last year. Chris Murray should be nearly as good as Keegan. Big Ten is down." He also said, "You know, well, some of it's just well." I was due, he said, but you know, they have, they bring back seven of their top 11 or juniors or seniors. And two of them are, are COVID guys who have been around for like a long time. So like, yeah, we know Indiana brings back everything that it brings back, but like Iowa also brings back a lot and nobody's really talking about them. That was a team that the flip side of this is, well, they always, uh, I mean, their, their collapse in March last year was bad. I mean, I, I had them yeah. making, I, I had bought into what that team was down the stretch and then the postseason, and that completely fizzled out. Um, so there's certainly that flip side to it. Um, like Fran McCaffrey's never been to a sweet 16, but if you're asking me to outside of the top three, who, who's someone that could surprise and challenge, I think you could make a compelling case for Iowa. Okay. And then tightening the focus to just Ohio state. So what do you think that people can, I'm going to be asking about specific players here. What do you think people can reasonably expect production wise in your opinion, from Justice Suing. And I'm not talking about, like, if he's healthy, we're done with that narrative. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's playing <laughs> – I'm assuming this is going with the assumption that he is playing 30 to 35 games. Is or, or Should people expect the 14.7 rebounds per game that we saw at Cal? Is that a little bit maybe too high of expectations? Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be an all-Big Ten caliber kind of guy or if he's going to be more of, like, a 10 points, five rebounds, just a, like a solid – part of the team and maybe not the guy. I, I am expecting a lot from justice because I think that uh, on this team, when you say, well, who can go get you a bucket? You know, last year it was Malachi and EJ. Um, you know, in the past you, you think of a Dwayne or a Kata or a Jay Sean um, mm-hmm. on this team, who can go get you a bucket? Well, I think, I think justice suing can get you a bucket. Like you look back on how he was playing at the end of the 2020, 2021 season. Hate saying that so many twenties, um, you know. You, you look at him in the that overtime loss to Illinois in the Big Ten tournament title game. Dude had twenty two points. Uh, got to the line. Uh, he had he was nine of nine from the free throw line. Like he's, I, I I don't I'm not expecting him to go out and get twenty two every night. But like he can be a guy who has that capability and who can also create opportunities at the rim. I, I think. His, he's healthy, he's bouncy, he's athletic, he's long, he's quick, he gets to the rim. Historically, the numbers would tell you he's one of the nation's best at drawing contact, getting to the free throw line. Um, I think it's fair to expect him to be in that. If Ohio State is a decent upper-level Big Ten team this year, I think Justice Suing's an all-conference type of player. Like I think those two things go hand-in-hand. And I do think that there's going to be some rust early on for sure but I think he's a guy that a lot of this team is going to revolve around. So, yeah, if you want to say you know, whatever it was that he, that he averaged at Cal, try to – I think Yeah, I think at Cal it was like 13, 14 points per game and like six, seven rebounds. Yeah. So nothing crazy, but very, very productive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that sounds pretty fair for, for what this season should look like for him. And then another guy I want to talk about, just because I haven't seen anybody ask this question and be honest with an answer – um, is Bowen Hardman. Um, he's a guy that he committed, he committed really early. Um, and now I think his recruiting ranking by the time he got to OSU dropped into like the low three hundreds. Um, do you see a scenario moving forward? Cause they haven't, they haven't officially said he's redshirting yet. I don't think, but that's kind of what everybody's thinking. Do you see a scenario where Bowen Hardman is going to have a significant role at Ohio state at any point, just because of the guys they have kind of stacking up behind him um, at guard and at those wing spots. I'm not trying to uh, be disrespectful to the kid, but it just seems like the recruiting classes behind him are stacking up quite a bit. And I'm not sure if, if I see a role moving forward for him at Ohio State, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that's a really hard one because um, obviously the injury he had his senior year was a, was significant and that, that impacted him in a big way. Um, from talking to his, his high school coach uh, spoke at length with me in the spring about um, Bob Bowen's work ethic and about his heart and about how he truly believes that he's going to make an impact at Ohio State 
And then he's got all these intangibles that, that are going to help him carve out a role. I think it's a significant uphill climb for him. Um, he can shoot. I mean, I, I, I watched him in the Bahamas. He can shoot. I, I watched him at, uh, they had pro day this summer with the former players coming back. And I've, I've seen him in these team settings where um, if he's open, he, he can, he can make a jumper. He can, he looks good shooting a three pointer. He looks really just behind from a physical standpoint right now. And honestly, I don't see it being a situation where he red shirts. Um, I don't think, okay. I don't know that that's a, a situation where, like you said, they're recruiting players who on paper, um, look like they are significantly ahead of where Bowen is. And I think that's going to, that makes a really hard road to, uh, to, to try to climb or, or hard hill to climb, whatever uh, metaphor I'm looking for here. Um, so no, I don't expect him to redshirt. Um, I don't know that I, at this point foresee, um, you know, him, him having a significant role at, at Ohio state, but I do think about what his high school coach said and call him what, like the best leader he's seen in like 20 years of being a high school coach. And I think you can't discount those kinds of things. So I'm certainly not going to count a guy out before he's, they've even played like the first exhibition game of the season, but he was, he's last on the depth chart right now. And so, when Chris, so when Chris Holtman has said several, so many times we have four freshmen that we expect to play, you're not taking that as he's a guy that is not going to be eligible because of red shirting him. That's just him saying, He's just he's going to be pretty far back in the depth chart, and I don't see us needing him to play any minutes. Really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that's a fair read on the situation. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. I haven't. You know, we we've kind of been kicking it around and talking about it, and just am just very curious of what other people think about kind of his position in the program. So I guess we'll find out as we move forward. Um, so Ohio State's going to start the season with Robert Morris, which is. 293 Ken Palm, Charleston Southern, which is 323, Eastern Illinois, 354. So not exactly a murderous road to start. But then San Diego State, you get either Cincinnati or Arizona. Then they'll get one of um, Texas Tech, Creighton, Arkansas, somewhere in there. Um, they'll follow that with St. Francis and Rutgers are both at home. Those are games they should be expected to win. But then they have uh, North Carolina and Duke. Or I guess it would be Duke, North Carolina. It's your, your answer would probably change once you've seen the team a few games and kind of maybe adjust expectations. But those five big games, Maui, Duke, North Carolina, how many wins do you think if Ohio State comes out of, like they come out of that stretch with X number of wins, could they turn around and say, okay, we got two wins or we got three wins. That, that seems like a win for this group. We can build on that. I mean, I think they would be happy with, I think they would be thrilled with three and I think they would be happy they would never say, but I think they would be happy with two. Um, Cause part of it, you don't know who you're going to get in Maui and though those types of events, I've never, uh, this is my first time going to Maui. It's my, my first time covering Maui, but like we've all seen it. Like those events can, can swing one way or the other very quickly for you. I think it was a couple years ago that like Purdue went out there and just got blasted. Um, it might not have been Maui. It was, I remember being in Portland for the PK 80 and Purdue was just like in an, in a similar event and they were just, dying um so you know the you can have those types of things like i'm sorry it was purdue at the battle for atlantis they went and lost to tennessee lost to western kentucky and then and then beat arizona um that's a a tangent aside like you you could go to maui and you could win that first game and then that propels you to something or you could suddenly be sitting there on the third day needing to win one game just to get out of there with a win um I think it's looking at that lineup and what we know about the teams they'll be playing. A number of those teams, we know. I feel like we know more things about them than we know about Ohio State. So right now, you say, yeah, they're probably not going to be favored in in many of those. Um, so if you think about like coming out of Maui with one win, and then you think, but in Duke or or Carolina, um, you know, Duke's replacing everybody too. Like I don't. I, I, Duke should be good because Duke is always good, but new coach for the first time in a hundred years and new everybody. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's not like we're sitting here saying like Duke is definitely the national favorite right now. And maybe Ohio State's coming out of Maui feeling good about themselves. Um, it, it's hard to forecast a win in Cameron indoor for such a new team, but, right. you know, but then, you know, getting Carolina on a neutral uh, in late December or yeah, like that's, we'll know a lot more about this Ohio State team by then. And to look at that five-game lineup and think that if Ohio State wins two of them, 
they will feel decent about themselves. I think that's I think that's fair. And if they if we're talking about three wins, then um, they're then look out. I guess that'd be they would take that. All right, so we're gonna close it out as we do with everybody um, with just a few rapid fire questions. Basically, you can answer it and just move on. You could answer it and you could add some context to it, however much or however little you would like to add. Some of it is basketball related. Some of it absolutely is not basketball related. So are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Best interaction that you've had with a coach that is not an Ohio State coach? Ooh. Oh, man. I might have to get back to you on this one. I'm trying to – I remember Fran McCaffrey stormed out of a press conference um, in Columbus after a a loss to Ohio State. Um, Was that when he got suspended? No, <laughs> I don't think. Um, so there was there was that. Um, not an Ohio State coach. That's. Do you want me to circle back to it at the end? Yeah, we can we can try that. I'm I'm again. I'm thinking about like. Hmm. So I just figured with all of the press conferences that you've been in and all the opportunities you've had to speak to other Big Ten coaches and all that, I figured at least once you've probably had some kind of funny or, or goofy interaction with one of these other coaches that maybe could uh, show show people a little personality of somebody that's not an Ohio State coach. But we can circle back to it at the end if maybe you've thought of something. Okay. Yeah, let, let's let's do that. <laughs> Favorite arena to visit on the road? Mackey. Purdue, they're – they do it. They do it right there. I mean, the arena is perfect. It's loud. Everyone feels like they're on top of you. Everything is focused on the court. There's not a bad seat in that place. Uh, I always tend to see really good games when I'm there. I, I I love going to Mackey. That's that's like my favorite. I think Ohio State plays at Mackey on a Saturday or Sunday at like noon or one o'clock. So I'm I'm I hopefully will get to make my first trip to Mackey this season and see what that's like. It's fantastic. When you are driving on the road, since you travel more than 99% of people that are listening to this and you need a, a snack or a drink to take on the road with you in the car. What are you, what are you getting? Uh, drink wise, I, I used to drink a lot of energy drinks, like sugar-free energy drinks. Um, but I kicked that habit during COVID because I couldn't go anywhere and said, you know what, I just, I don't need to do this anymore. So now it's just boring black coffee. I don't put anything in it. Just, that or like Coke Zero, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, green tea, if I can find like a good tea restaurant or, or place like that. Um, snack wise, I really like like when I'm traveling, I really like the That's It bars because they're literally just fruit like mashed into a bar. There's nothing added to them. And I'm always trying to keep my immune system up during the season. So like if I can just like cram an extra serving of fruit into my into my day, that's always a plus. So um yeah, I will. I'll go with that. Best live show or concert you've ever been to? <laughs> oh, ever been to? Jeez, um, there's so many. Um, this was this was just for you. We did, we don't ask it. We didn't ask anybody else this question. Man, I mean, like that's hard to say because literally yesterday I just got to see the Airborne Toxic event three times in one day, and they're one of my all time favorites. So. Um, saw them play the CD 101 big room and then the VIP sound check and then the actual concert. It was the first time I'd seen them in eight years. So that was, that was amazing. Um, there was the time I saw Noel Gallagher in Cleveland at the house of blues and i he signed autographs beforehand and met him. I've met him a, a two or three times, but when, um, when I met him and had him, I showed him a picture of when I, first met him when I was uh, 16 years old uh, backstage at a concert in Detroit. Um, He remembered that later in the show and when he played Champagne Supernova, he looked right at me and and said, for you, and then played Champagne Supernova um, at the House of Blues in Cleveland. And I do have video evidence to prove that this actually happened. It's on YouTube. Um, But that Noel Gallagher dedicating Champagne Supernova to me at a concert is like a top five moment in my life. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, we could fill a whole podcast on the other amazing concerts I've been to. All right. Should, all right. This is, this one, you probably want to add context to this, but that's up to you. 
Um, there's been whispers recently about this. I'm interested in what you think. Should the NCAA tournament expand the field past 68 teams? Um, how much am I allowed to curse on this? Um, I would probably cap you at three bad words. <laughs> Let's just go with heck no. It just needs to stay the way it is. Um, the argument, not to take this too much in a different direction, but the arg- I've seen the argument that you know when the tournament was created, there were this number of teams in the NCAA, and therefore the percentage of teams that had that made it is now way out of whack um, because it's still the same, roughly the same number. Division one's gotten so much bigger. Well, I think Division one basketball is too big. I think I don't think there's any logical reason um, why we have 368 teams now in Division one. Like to to sit here and pretend that schools like Lindenwood and Stonehill and you're telling me that Ohio State, State shouldn't be able to schedule IUPUI. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know that that situation last year was a little was unique with COVID and just trying to find games, but. You know, to, to pretend that these schools, in all seriousness, have anything to do with each other, I think is is unfair. Um, and I do think there needs to be some sort of separation at some point. So to say that we need to expand the NCAA tournament to however many teams so that, you know, your 7-13 and 13 power conference school can make it um, is, is gross. And I, I have no interest in that. So... If you find a way to expand the tournament, it needs to be a way that you are adding more mid and low major teams to the tournament. But there, there's no universe where because we have teams like Arkansas Pine Bluff and McNeese State, and I'm I don't I'm not trying to single anybody out specifically, but to if you want to say that because we have all those teams in the same conference, therefore, um, you know, uh, a, a Big Ten team that goes six and fourteen deserves to make the tournament because we need to have better. Uh, the percentages need to line up. I, I, I'm not buying that. I don't get that out of my face. I have no interest in that. No, that's a really good answer. And the, the, the small school, it's funny, the small school that Justin and I always pick on for no reason, just because it's an easy example is Maine. And then we realized Ohio State plays Maine in about a month yeah. and a half. So that really could come back to bite us shortly. Hopefully not. Yeah, we'll, yeah that's a great point. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back to that first one to see if you've thought of anything. Can you think of any interactions with any other Big Ten coaches or I guess any other coaches aside from the Ohio State staff that you've had while on the beat that was noteworthy? A question that you asked and the answer they gave or a question that some other reporter asked that they an- that the answer that gave that you know maybe was funny or noteworthy that stuck with you? You know, the, the thing that, that is popping in my head, and it's it's not the greatest answer, but the thing I, I keep thinking about the the very brief but very powerful feud with Mark Turgeon where he just like out of nowhere called Caleb Wesson a bully. And then like that got Holtman fired up and it went like, it was one of those, like he Turgeon makes this like grumpy comment about Caleb Wesson being a bully. And like, then like Holtman takes offense to it. And then you think like, okay, well that's going to be the end of it. But then like it continued for a couple of days. And I remember writing like two more stories about it and just thinking, this is, this is wild. I did not see the Chris Holtman, Mark Turgeon feud uh, coming. Um, so like that, that one, that jumps out to me. Um, In all fairness, Mark Turgeon likes to feud with, he likes past tense, like to feud with a lot of people. It seemed like also true. Also true. Uh, like I enjoy talking to Greg guard. Uh, I really like talking to Matt painter. Uh, those are, there's just like guys that are, I find this in general, I feel like with a lot of college basketball coaches and that if you're interested in the game and you're interested in like, you, you don't just want like the like a sound bite, but like you actually want to have a conversation. Like those are two really good guys to talk to. And if you have an interesting point, they're, they're willing to hear you out. Uh, honestly, Fran McCaffrey will be like that too. You know, I'll, I'll sometimes jump on like Iowa press conferences because I might be writing something Big Ten centric um, and I want another coach's thought on it. And Fran is usually pretty uh, engaging on that kind of stuff. Um, I will say I was disappointed. I, I'm, I'm one of the stories that I'm working on when I was at Big Ten Media Day last week, um, I was asking Juwan Howard about it, and he like went out of his way not to answer it. And it wasn't like a, I, I was just asking him about does the transfer portal re- mean that there's fewer people recruiting high school kids? Like, is this is this creating oppor- like fewer opportunities for high school kids? And he was like, oh well, when I'm recruiting, I'm just zeroed in on the kid that I'm recruiting on. And, like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you don't have an, a, a thought on the – it wasn't answering the question. It was just like, I don't want to talk, so I'm trying to get out of here. And, like, I feel like that that rubbed me the wrong way. I wasn't super thrilled with that. 
it was not helpful at all. And he kind of, I felt like was going out of his way to be unhelpful. Um, so having said that, I did still vote them to win the big 10 this year. So there's that. No love lost. All <laughs> right, Adam, thank you again for taking the time today. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, I know you have an Instagram where you put a lot of photos and videos and then of course, read your stuff for the dispatch. Where can they find all your stuff? You can find me on uh, on Twitter at Adam Jardy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. When I took over the Dispatch Beat, we had a men's basketball blog that was called Hoops and Scoops. So when I started an Instagram for work, uh, I named it Hoops underscore and underscore Scoops. And there we go. Um, that's still the name, but we don't ever use that anywhere. So you can find all that stuff. Yeah, Hoops and Scoops on Instagram. Um, still kicking around, uh, maybe starting a TikTok for work. Haven't haven't gotten to that yet, um, but will I will send stuff to the Columbus Dispatches uh, TikTok account so you can find find some stuff on there as well, including me losing my mind going down a water slide in the Bahamas this year. Um, you can go back and find that. That was that was fun. And what way can you say the Twitter again, just so they can get it? Sure, at uh, Adam Jardy, A D A M J A R D Y. All right, folks, that'll about do it for today. Um, thanks again, Adam. I'm sure. We'll talk real soon. Yeah. Pre- appreciate you having me. Fun to, fun to, uh, I like those questions at the end, fun to, to think outside the box a little bit. I'm sure I'll come up with a really great coach anecdote that will pop in my head as I'm trying to fall asleep tonight and I'll, I'll tweet you. All right. No, thank you to Adam for joining us today. Uh, some would say that, we and him host the two best Ohio State basketball podcasts out there. I'm not saying many people are saying. I've seen many people say it. Um, another quick thing, just like I want to say about Adam, when I was coming out of college, I was I wanted to be you know a, high, a sports reporter, and I emailed basically any sports reporter's emails I could find. I probably emailed legitimately 150 to 200 people. I got like 20, just about like you know any advice, any tips, getting your foot into the door, stuff like that. Um, I probably got like 20 responses, but Adam was the first one to respond to me and gave me just incredible tips and advice. So uh, genuinely an awesome dude. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're an Ohio State basketball fan, you know who Adam Jardy is. But um, I just always like to say that because I think he deserves his flowers in that in that regard. Uh, if you don't read his stuff or follow him on Twitter, I'm not positive why you're listening to this. But nevertheless, uh, follow him, read his stuff, you know, listen to his podcast. Uh, he truly does have the best insight into Ohio State basketball out there. Um, and you're not, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, again, other than us, of course. Yeah, I mean, and we're not we're not here to give free ads to promote other people's stuff and other services. But the Columbus Dispatch, even if you're only paying for the subscription just to read Adam Jardy's stuff, I think it's like it's, it's like worth it. Six dollars or maybe like ten dollars for like six months. So, in my opinion, just having access to Adam's stuff for like a dollar fifty a month is absolutely worth it. So. Definitely check his stuff and pl- out. And please, God, support print media and your local beat writers and guys like Adam that are, you know, on the on the foot trails every day doing the hard work. So shout out to Adam. Salute. If you found us on the website today, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wherever you get your music and podcasts. We are under the Land Grant Holy Land feed. Uh, that way you'll get notified when we put new episodes out every week. And if you aren't following Bucketheads on Twitter, I uh, hate you. I'm just kidding. But please follow us Jesus. at Bucketheads LGHL. Uh, we're, like, I, like I've always said on every episode, now that we're weekly again, you know, once, I mean, the season literally starts in like two weeks. It's nuts how fast this is coming. I just realized I'm going to be in Atlanta for a business, for, I say for a business trip. That sounds way too official. For a work thing, like a work conference. I'm going to be in Atlanta for the first game. Uh, so that'll be kind of cool. That'll be different. But uh, anyway, um, I just realized that today. That's why I'm saying that. My mind, like, I just talk when my mind works. And, uh, but yeah, season starts soon, so follow us on Twitter. We're trying to do some more fun stuff on Twitter because um, Twitter's fun sometimes. And you can also follow me at Justin underscore Golba because, uh, yeah, I'm there. Because you like to talk shit. I do. I, I, I've been getting a lot better, though. Kind get of. us uh, get us past hang out in the hall. I'm going to keep plugging this until we pass them because then we can rub it in their face. Honestly, get help. us past Buck Off, though. They got help, help us help us be the most followed help us be the most followed uh, land grant Hoyland podcast because we're also like the newest one so if we can scoot right on past buck off and hang out in the holy land that would be really funny 
Well, I mean, um, like, I mean, it would be objectively funny if the Ohio State SB Nation site, their most followed podcast was the basketball one. That would be funny. So, yes. That would be funny. And it would be a credit to the people that listen to this because – And my bots have created. Football dominates Ohio State coverage. And if the basketball podcast was flying past, like hang out in the Holy Land and buck off, that would be absolutely hilarious. And that would all be thanks to the people that – Listen to us run our mouths every week. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Lamans underscore Connor. Uh, thanks for listening again this week, you guys. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.